I've been told, like, like reminded, like, you're just teaching HFLE. Like, you, you don't have to take it so seriously. And I'm like, this is my passion. Like, if I don't take it seriously, who will? Welcome to It's Not Human Sexuality, the show that goes beyond sexuality to reproductive health. Understanding the foundations of reproductive health allows you and the ones you love to make better decisions about your health, mind, and relationships. I'm Dr. Betsy Cairo, or Dr. B. And I'm Mandy Johnson. And here with us today is Thea Benjamin. The students have regressed. It's bad. I don't even know how how to explain how bad it is. Um, I feel like we need to add another school year. And a teacher, she's a French teacher, she walked past my desk, picked it up, and she's like, oh, that's the clitoris. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Just me being honest, I do not feel like it's a respected subject. As a teacher, I do not feel I'm respected teaching the subject. And the subject as the whole is always like something on the back burner. I met Thea a few years ago when we were both graduate students at Widener University in Pennsylvania studying human sexuality education. I was very interested in Thea's story as she came from St. Lucia to Pennsylvania for her education and is now back in St. Lucia teaching reproductive health topics. At a little over a year now, we donated a textbook and sent it to Thea as a resource. We're interested to hear more about Thea and her thoughts on the state of reproductive health and sexuality education. Welcome, Thea. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's so good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Can you please tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? My name is Thea Benjamin. I come from the Caribbean island of St. Lucia. I am a Fulbright scholar, which allowed me to attend Widener University for my master's degree in human sexuality education. Uh, I have four and a half years teaching experience. I taught two years in Japan teaching English, uh, a term teaching for Planned Parenthood in Philadelphia, and two years teaching home in St. Lucia. So Thea, I keep hearing birds outside your window. Are you, uh, what, what's going on with that? Uh, well, I live in St. Lucia. It's summer all year round. And uh, the, my home is a second home to the birds. <laughs> they fly <laughs> in and out like it, it belongs to them. I have no control over them. So that's kind that's of a fun. nice addition. Yes. <laughs> all right. So tell us about what you're doing. Um, like I know you're, you're teaching right now, but what does that look like? And where, where are you teaching? So I'm currently teaching in a secondary school, a high school in my country. High school starts from age 12 to 17, 18 years old in St. Lucia. And so pretty much I'm teaching the equivalent of middle school and high school um, here. All right. And do you teach like a reproductive health class or is it part like is this topic just a unit in the class or how does that look for you? I teach a subject called health and family life education, and um, it's broken down into four themes, uh, self and interpersonal relationships, sex and sexuality, uh, health and nutrition, and um, the environment. Okay. 
Very cool. That sounds a lot like my teen choices class, except for we don't really talk about the environment would be like the one thing yeah, that, it, it, a that seems very much like um, integrated science. And I actually, because of coronavirus interrupting the school year, I actually have not touched that theme at all since I've started teaching. Oh, I've been there for I've been there for two years and like I focused more on interpersonal relationships and sex and sexuality over the time frame. All right. So are you teaching mostly like this high school age students or do you see students as young as 12 as well in your class? 12 to 17. Okay. So you see all of them. Yeah. That's really I, cool. I teach every, every class at my school. So I'm the only teacher teaching the subject at my school and we have uh, three classes per grade and I teach five grades, three classes per grade and I teach every grade. So, so every student at that school has every, you as a teacher yeah, at some point. 400 and something students. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. It's a lot with online school. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing I've been observing is um, with teaching so many students, it's kind of hard to do assessments that could be fun. So I'm limited to quizzes on like Google Forms that can like autocorrect for me because I would never be able to get through um, all the assessments if I just have everybody writing stuff and journaling and all that kind of stuff, which would I really want to do, but I just can't in you know, the way yeah, I'm it's not right it's now. not feasible to to, no. to maintain as one teacher doing all of that. I understand very much. <laughs> so um, I guess before you got to Widener, what was your educational background? And you said you were always interested in sexuality, but how did you um, decide to take that as a career, like make that your career field? Uh, so I went to the University of the West Indies and I studied psychology. Um, I got into counseling and social work after I left um, university and I narrowed down that sex therapy was what I wanted to do. Uh, in between there, I left um, St. Lucia, traveled to Japan for two years to teach English. So that was my first um, foray into the education field. And I enjoyed my time there. I don't think I was the best teacher there because I didn't get the training that I, I think I needed to be a stellar teacher at that point in time. And why didn't a modern meetup for, for that? I, I feel more competent teaching um, sexuality education um, now than when I was teaching English in Japan. Yeah. So is, is this a class that's like pretty common in St. Lucia to, for everybody has to take? I mean, if you see every student, it sounds like a required class. So is this something that's taught at every high school or is this is this something that you're just kind of lucky to have be able to teach at the school you're at? So it's kind of mandated teaching, but kind of not. So we're a very Catholic um, country and we have two secondary schools that are um, Catholic and they don't teach um, HFLE, health and family life education. They teach Christian health or some Christian family and health or something like that, I think they, they call it. And I, they remove a lot of the topics that we would be able to teach in um, secondary school. So there's it's kind of uh, mandated education. Unfortunately, at this point, it's our... Um, you guys have the SAT as your kind of big exam that you do at the end of high school. We have something called CXC, Caribbean Examination Council, and every subject has an exam um, that is used as your qualification for going to university or finding a job. Uh, HFLE is not yet um, a subject that is um, on the exam. Hopefully, somewhere down the line, it will be. 
Right. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. it's similar to sure. the states. Yeah. And it's it's right. quote unquote required, but not really. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and honestly, I just yeah, me being honest, I do not feel like it's a respected subject. As a teacher, I do not feel I'm respected <laughs> teaching the subject. Yeah. And the subject as the whole is always like something on the back burner. Like I can give up my classes to other teachers if they need it right. because like that's how little my subject matters. I, I, yes, I understand that a lot. I, yeah. I mean, I've been teaching for 16 years in an elective topic and all the time kids get pulled from my class because they're like, well, it's not a big deal if they miss your class, right? And I'm like, what? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just the same big deal as if they miss any other class. I know. They're missing mm -hmm. a lot of content. I know. We're just definitely, I, just definitely at the bottom of the totem pole of importance, which mm -hmm. really is weird because we're the foundation really of everything. Yeah. Everything. Life skills. I've been told, like, like reminded, like, you're just teaching HFLE. Like, you, you don't have to take it so seriously. And I'm like, well, you know, this is what I enjoy doing. This is my passion. Like, if I don't take it seriously, who will? You yeah. know? So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've ended up in a lot of situations where I'm just frustrated with the lack of respect for the whole area. I very much understand that. I It reminded me of a quick little story I just got to tell. I was sitting in a... um meeting with with like four other teachers they were all men not that that really matters but it kind of does and they were talking about how um they were at a conference with some some female students who were all just wearing too short of skirts for what they mm. were and and one teacher said i mean that skirt was so short you could practically see her vagina and i said no you couldn't see her vagina you could see her vulva if you saw anything <laughs> you know and and he he looks at me he's like okay why? I mean, you're going to get so serious about it. Why you got to be so correcting? I'm like, yeah, if somebody said that Africa and Asia were the same continent, you would correct them. And he's like, well, yeah, I would. I said, because that's your content area. I'm like, this is my content area and I'm passionate about it. And if you're using the wrong words, I'm going to correct you. But it was that same thing where it, like, if somebody had corrected a, a geography mistake, he would have never said anything about that. But because I'm correcting the anatomy, you know, he's like, well, you don't have to take it so seriously. I'm like, Dude, but that's my do. content. They're different. Yeah, like the difference different. between an elbow and a wrist, you know? Yeah, it's it's important to know the difference, you know? And so, but I, I yeah, I get that where it's a very not well-respected um, topic. And and unfortunately, the kids that, that I'm sure you experience the same thing, the kids I teach see the importance and tell me all the time, like, your class is the most important class I ever took in high school. And I, the stuff I learned from you is stuff I actually use. But nobody else in our profession sees the importance of what we do. I haven't gotten there yet. I've only been there two years, one graduating class so far. So I haven't gotten there yet, but hopefully one day. You will. <laughs> you will. Because what you teach is important and it's, it's relevant in their lives right now, you know. And later. And later. Like cradle to grave, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so... First thing I want to ask is, have you been able to utilize the textbook that we sent you? And if so, how have you been able to use it? And or, you know, are you using it as just a resource or that kind of thing? So a uh, quick story. Uh, I remember messaging Mandy and like begging her. <laughs> 
But like, what textbook do you guys use? Because our textbook is, I actually have it right next to me. This is like the, the um, lowest grade book. And this is the size of the textbook. I know oh, you probably won't be able to see, but yeah. And there's that is one really for, thought, small. <laughs> yeah. And there's one for um, the first form, the second form, and the third form. The last two, even though I have to teach them, we have no textbooks for them at all. Um, so there's a textbook and a workbook, but it's, and remember there are four sections. So, um, it's not really in depth at all. Um, so I just needed something to use as a resource. Um, so I can like pull notes out of, to be able to get the students. So that's what I've been using the textbook you guys sent me for most of all. Um, I, cause we don't even really use the textbook, the hour mandated textbook. I don't really get a chance. I usually just like pull notes from different sources and give it to my students. Uh, that's that's how I use a lot of textbooks myself. <laughs> I mean, they're for me so that I can create content for the students um, more than they are for students. And it's even more useful now with um, online school. And we're going into this blended learning approach now with um, COVID school opened like two weeks ago. So we're still using Google Classroom. That's where I'm putting all my content and the kids have access that way. So I can like either scan a page or like type out the notes that I want, put it on Google Classroom and the kids can get it that way. Yeah. So you guys just went back to in-person two weeks ago? And that's the first time you've seen students since last March? No, we tried to go back in January. Uh, so we tried in September and had to close down again, tried in January and had to close down for the second term. And we just reopened up um, for third term. So hopefully we won't close again. Um, the students have regressed. It, it's bad. It, I don't even know how, how to explain how bad it is. Um, we, I feel like we need to add another school year to be able to like make up to the, for them to be where they need to be at graduation. Um, so hopefully I'm praying that school doesn't close again. So were you guys doing like uh, Google Meet classes or Zoom classes at all? Or were you doing everything kind of asynchronously where the kids just looked on Google Classroom for their work and stuff? So I would put the content uh, quizzes. I would even record videos initially before we started doing Google Meet. I would record myself teaching the content so that I, because students learn in different ways. Some students might just be able to like go to the slides and it's all good. Um, some students may not be able to pick it up, but if they hear me explaining everything, then um, it will work out better for them. So I, I uploaded in different ways. Um, but once we were allowed to do meets, then we would schedule one meet every um we have a six day cycle. So once a cycle, I would, you know, meet up with the students. Unfortunately, not very many of them came and I had no control over that. Um, but I, I just taught the students who came, whether it's one or 10, I, I, I taught the students that came. Yep. That's sounds very similar to every teacher I've talked to, every teacher we've interviewed so far since COVID started. I mean, this, it, it sounds like Everybody across the world is experiencing the same thing in terms of trying to teach during this and, and the challenges that, that we're facing. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Actually, um, with my school, because we have to social distance, um, we have 400 students and we don't have enough capacity um, building-wise or furniture-wise for it to work out um, social distancing. So what we went through is uh, one day in, one day out. So we... Our classes are like 30 students per class. We broke them down in half and we each day a year would come. 
So we on the day one, we'd have a four months from twos and the senior class. And then the next day we'd have the twos and threes in the senior class. That's the only way we could social distance properly. So it's still not efficient because students are coming to school either two days a week or three days a week. Um, so it's, it's, it's still frustrating, but I'm just happy to have school open. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we did that hybrid um, schedule where we had half our students on Monday and then the other half on Tuesday and, and that whole thing for several or months at the as same well. time. Like, well, I, and during hybrid, yeah, yeah, I was, I had, I would have half the class in class and the other half would be on a Google meet at the same, oh, be teaching them at at the the same, same time. time. And I, wow, I've been that doing never that work since, here. oh, see, I've been doing that since August. Um, having a Google meet and a, well, I guess when did we actually go back with students? It wasn't since August, but since we went back, I can't even remember. My dates are just was it October? So gone. I, October or November, I guess, is when we came back. But ever since we had students in the building, we've been teaching both at the same time. You know, right now we're in what they call everybody's back at school. It's full in person, but it's not. I mean, we still have so many students that are staying home and and can't come to school, so it's still. It's still hybrid, but instead of having like the, my classes split, I I see all 30 students every day. 20 of them are in person. 10 of them are online. That kind of that kind of look. And, and so do you have attendance issues with the students that are at home remote? Um, yeah, I, I have a ton of attendance issues. Like, I don't know that they're there. <laughs> You know, I mean, especially Turn your since camera on. Yes, yes. <laughs> and since we went back to and we're not allowed to require cameras, so you know, I can't make uh, them. And yeah. since we went back to to what they consider full time in person, uh, teachers are instead of like engaging the people online, we're supposed to do what they call broadcasting, where we just have the camera on and the kids at home just get to watch. Like it's a TV show, like there's no interaction. Oh, I still yeah. interact with my kids because I don't know how not to. But but because they think it's a broadcasting thing and they think teachers aren't supposed to ask them questions and stuff, they'll log on just for their attendance. And then when I do try to interact with them, I'm like, crickets, crickets, crickets. You know, it's yeah. it's like Ferris Bueller. And you're like, Bueller? <laughs> Bueller? <laughs> Anybody? Um, Is this my students would not get that reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine don't either. <laughs> but but that's what, you know, that's what it feels like when, and so it's it's interesting because right now my online students, I don't think are, are getting anything out of my classes because I don't even know that they're hearing anything I say, you know. And that's For all such I know, a shame because you movies. are an awesome teacher. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I'm pretty sure that half of them are just watching some movie or YouTube video while I teach. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I guess, I guess, you know, that's why, what I always tell my students, because my class is called Teen Choices, I just tell them it's your choice. Your, your grade in my class is your choice. Do the work, you can get a really good grade. Choose not to do the work. That's your choice, not the grade I'm giving you, you know. And so all the time I tell that to my online students, I'm like, you're making a choice about your grade right now. <laughs> Hope it's mm -hmm. a good one. I say similar things to my students. Also, I tell them, like, this is the easiest subject Ever. Because a lot of it is just like life is things you see. It's like you don't have to go study real hard for it. And like all you have to do is just put in a little bit of effort, not even quite as much effort as you put in math class, for example. Just put in a little bit of effort and you're going to do fine in the class. And that's still like pulling hairs. Oh, I know. I, I tell my students the exact same thing. I'm like, you know, and you're going to I'm going to ask you to turn in a lot of little things. 
it's going to seem like a lot of work for an elective class. I'm like, but but there's no right or wrong answer. It's just like, yeah. what is your self-esteem? What yeah. are your values? What are your goals? And all you have to do is tell me these things. You don't need to be right. You don't need to go study your goals. You just need to yeah. express them, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, yeah it, it's it's not a hard class in terms of the content, but it's an important no. class. It's you an know? important it's class. Yeah. Super important that you learn all that stuff. Um, so out of everything that you do teach, what's your favorite topic or lesson to teach? Puberty. puberty. I, it, yeah, I love Yay. teaching puberty. Um, it's, I do it with my um, youngest, so the 12-year-olds when they're coming in, and they teach HFLE at the primary school level. So it's a lot of it is revision, and I just like push it a little bit um, further from what I know that they're supposed to come into secondary school knowing. Um, so it's always fun. Hygiene is always fun. I've taught it different ways online. Um, and in person, I did like a hygiene kit and I would come in with my bag full of stuff and like pull out like, hey, what's this? How do you use it? What, why do you need it? And like, they're all telling me the answers. I'm like, write it in the book, on, on your book, you know? So like they're taking their own notes as we're going through this activity and it's always fun. And I try to figure out a new way to like do it on um um, Google Classroom through the Google Meet. And what I decided to do is to use, I, I, I don't know, licensing issues and all that, but um, I used Pigpen from Charlie Brown. Okay. To oh. teach, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to teach the concept of, of hygiene and like what are all these issues that Pigpen could be having that's like causing people to react badly to him. And that lesson was actually being observed. Okay. And um, my supervisor was like, that was amazing. So yeah, puberty, puberty and hygiene, favorite. Nice. That, I don't, I don't really get to teach puberty, unfortunately, which, what? yeah, that's not part of my, that's not part of my flow. I mean, I talk about it because kids have questions. So whenever, you know, there's almost always an anonymous question that, that is about puberty that I get to answer. I miss anonymous questions. Content. You don't do anonymous questions? I miss it since um, oh. online school. It's just I yes. can't figure out how to work it into um, this whole thing that we're doing now. But yeah, I, I did it last year and it was fun. I'll, I'll send um, you something on how you can do that um, online with a Google. Um, it's through Google Suites. So if you use Google, you can do a, an, an anonymous question. So I'll, I'll show you that. I'll email you. Um, but know that in real life, what I've experienced is that in my typical class in a semester or whatever, I'll get, you know, somewhere between like, at a minimum of 30 questions at a maximum of like 80 in one class. And since we went hybrid, and since we've been doing stuff online, um, the kids online, I get less than 10 questions from them. Um, when my whole class was online, I got less than 10 questions for the whole unit. And, and I'm like, I usually get more questions than this every day. Like, I know you guys have questions, but just it it doesn't seem to tr the anonymous question thing doesn't seem to translate as well online as it does in person, which is unfortunate because I, I know it, I don't those think kids it would still work have questions. With my students, yeah. 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 It's, it's real. It's too bad because I think it's important to be able to get those questions answered that you're too embarrassed to raise your hand for. Um, I remember a, a teacher that I met in the US when I told her that I was studying. Um, human sexuality 
And she was like, oh my God, I'm like fourth grade teacher. And she has to like talk about like getting, like using menstrual products. And it's like so nerve wracking for her. And I was like, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. And now I'm getting to do it. And I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm in my element. I'm really happy teaching this stuff. Very and good. I can I'm see the, the, the kids learning stuff and like, I've been fortunate because um, a lot of my kids are not shy. So they will walk up to me and just ask me the question. So a lot of times I don't need the anonymous questions. And how I use it most of the time is like I made them fill out all the questions. I gave them paper, fill out um, the paper with all the questions that they wanted, collected them in a bag. And when we have lull times in the class, I'll just pull out the bag and go through the questions. And sometimes I'm like, hey, does anybody know the answer to the question? And let them answer the question for the class so it's really fun and it's it sucks right now that we can't utilize it yes i would agree that it's it's i mean things are just so different right now the what in everything we're trying to teach and um i know a lot of other educators have struggled with like building the right kind of relationship with students to to be able to engage with this content do you have you noticed that or struggled with that as well um no uh, i think one of the things in Widener that I've learned, like we repeated in Widener that I see as true in my own experience is your comfort level has a lot to do with it. If you're uncomfortable, the students are uncomfortable, um, you seem unapproachable. And so I'm so comfortable with it. And I'm like, hey, there's no dumb questions. Um, nothing you say is going to shock me. And if it shocks me, it'll shock me for like a second and I'll get over it and you'll get over it and we'll all be fine. Um, and so the kids outside of class will just walk up to me like, hey, miss, this happened to me yesterday. Or like, um, why do boys do this? And like, you know, so it, they just feel comfortable coming to me and asking me those questions. And I've assured them that unless it's a dangerous situation that they're telling me about, that I'm not going to take it anywhere. However, if it is a dangerous situation, then I have to report it. So, See, and that's what makes you an awesome teacher. Mm -hmm. um, trust. You know, trust and, comfort. and yeah, all the things that, I mean, it really is so important that, that people are comfortable with this topic if they're going to teach it because it makes all the difference in the world for the students and, and what they can absorb and what they'll take from it. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and even just they ask you some really out there questions that you're really not expecting, especially like at 12 years old, they ask you some questions. It's like, how do you know about this? And I just have to remember, okay, I, I also have guidelines for what I can and cannot teach. It's not comprehensive. So sometimes I have to kind of skip that line and like try to answer their question as like, you know, not going over the line that is going to get me in trouble, but I, give them an answer that they can walk away with feeling like they got an answer. Right. What topics are you not allowed to teach? Sexual orientation. Um, as I said, my country is very religious. Um, so uh, yeah, that's one that's off balance. We can teach about it in the capacity of um, teaching what heterosexuality is, what homosexuality, we can give the definitions. We can't really go beyond that because we do teach circles of sexuality. And you can't avoid that in circles of sexuality. So um, that is the only way. Gender also is one that's kind of, we can't be just definitions and like gender stereotypes, that type of thing. And then we can't really go beyond that. Um, abortion. Um, I taught a lesson on teen pregnancy. And when I got to the part, I, that lesson was also supervised. And when we got to the part of options, I brought up abortion. And um, abortion is illegal in St. Lucia. 
and except for the case of rape, incest, and if it affects the health of the mother. That's the only time abortion is legal. And after the lesson, my supervisor was like, hey, I don't think you're allowed to even talk about that. So I'm just like, I didn't say anything wrong. I didn't give an opinion. I made sure not to do that. I'm just giving facts here. And it, you know, so um, she said she would check to make sure that the guidelines on that haven't changed. But yeah, that's where, you know, you always kind of walking the line of what you can and cannot say. I'm, I'm not allowed to teach about abortion either. So when those questions come up, I'm like, um, here's a link yeah. to plantparenthood.com. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not me. really even supposed to say those two words together. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not really supposed to say those two words together. I can't really talk about Planned Parenthood. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. That's not. Wow. <laughs> so I'm guessing you can't talk about contraception either. I actually can. I have taught um, my more senior students about contraception. Um, I had checked the UNICEF guidelines, um, UNESCO guidelines for when you I'm supposed to, and I think from as early as like 12 years old, you're supposed to, but I don't know how comfortable parents would be with their kids learning about um, contraception. So I tend to just stick to the older, the 16, 17 year olds um, teaching contraception. I have my whole kit that I got from when I was working at Planned Parenthood as my practicum, and I take it to class and show the kids and like they enjoy it. So yeah. That's awesome. I just did my contraceptives lesson the other day and um, I always put every everything out on the tables and they come in and I'm like, okay, now you're just going to pick everything up and touch it. And I want you to guess what it's for and how it works. And and uh, it's always a very fun lesson because anytime they can get their hands on stuff, you know, and really um, feel what that's like and and see the see the options instead of just hearing about it. It's it's a really good deal. I love it when people have those kits. I uh, I went to a conference a few years ago and I, I did a round table and I was teaching about the way I teach contraceptives. And uh, I had a, several teachers come up to me and say, oh, is that what this is? I've never seen one before. Oh. And I was like, you teach this stuff, don't you? She's like, yeah, but I've never I've never seen one in person. I've only ever seen a picture of it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like you should know what these things feel like and look like. I've had a if few moments like them. that. Yeah. Um, I had a moment I teach, um, before I teach puberty, I teach anatomy and I have these, um, I had made these posters before I came back home. So I, I wanted to just have everything. So I was ready to teach. So I have these giant, um, anatomy posters and I make handouts for the kids with the, the posters and the same posters and definitions of all the parts and functions and all that. And a teacher, she's a French teacher. She walked past my desk, picked it up and she's like, Oh, that's the clitoris. Oh my goodness. Oh wow. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, I mean that that sort of like drop the mic. That's why we do what we do. <laughs> I mean, that's why ever. this is so important to, yep. to teach about. She went through she took it to her desk, went through the whole thing, and she's like, I learned so much. Like they did not teach us this in school. Yeah. Like that's why you need my subject. Yes. <laughs> I, I have in one of my classes this quarter, I have an interpreter and uh, actually on Tuesdays, I have four adults. There's four adults in my room every Tuesday when I teach this class. Um, but one of one of them is an interpreter because I have a student who's hard of hearing. And um, she told me just on Friday, she's like, you know, I just love the way you teach and what you teach. She said, but I go home every night and I tell my husband about what I'm learning. 
Because she's like, I learned something from your class every day. And she's an adult. And she, she's and my she's age. We were born adult. the same year, you know? Yes. And I, I like that part of me is like, oh, my God. But then I was like, well, in real life, though, I learned something from her every day, too, because she teach, she's teaching me how to sign. And so, uh, you know, I was like, well, there's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff I don't know either. So, yeah, <laughs> but, That's but pretty cool. when it's reproductive health, it scares me a little bit. That people don't know stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've also, um, dem- I brought in um, menstrual cup. I bought some just to have as um, um, props in class and it brought it into the staff room and it's like, hey, do you guys know what this is? And like all the female teachers are like stunned because that's it's expensive in the US. So it's just not something that's sold here. And um, yeah, they I taught them about that. So yeah, the only issue I have um, with regards to props um, with my contraceptive kit, I am not allowed to do condom demonstrations. So I had to actually take out <laughs> the prop from my kit because I didn't want to have it in my kit and I come in the class and the kids see it and then that's a whole thing. And I have to explain to people what I'm doing with this. So yeah, I, it's not in my kit, but I can't do it. And a friend of mine who's a nurse gave me this really sad story of um, trying to do a condom demonstration for an adult class. And she had to use like a broomstick because that's the only thing she had. And at the end of the day, um, like just the, the, just the shared joy that the, the respondents have in like being able to see how to put on a condom properly. And that's adults. Imagine what that could be like for kids. And I feel like my students are old enough. Like I do it with the senior class. I should be able to do that, but they wouldn't let me. It's just yeah. a no. Yeah. So we, we also have that prop in our kits that were given to us by our school district. And for anybody wondering what we're talking about, I call it Woody. <laughs> if that helps describe it to anybody because um, it's Perfect. a condom demonstrator. You know, it's a it's a common dem- condom it's demonstrator. It's not a cucumber. It's not a cucumber. <laughs> and it's not a banana. It's it's Woody. And yeah. we were given this kit by the district and we're still not allowed to use it. Like oh, I was wow. given this prop by my district. I and thought then told, you guys you were so much more that. advanced than us. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, I look at you guys and I'm like jealous of all the stuff you get to do. And then I'm hearing, no, you, it's pretty much the same. It's It sounds so similar. It really does. And yeah. I mean, do I sometimes demo anyway? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying one way or the other, but, um, you know, I'm saying I have a Woody. I well, don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's important because uh, like you were saying that students learn differently uh, in different ways. And I know that one of our colleagues who works with um, developmentally disabled uh, kids, uh, she never demonstrates putting a condom on a banana or a cucumber because they would go home and put the banana put it, on yeah. a cucumber yeah. on and a think banana they're safe. Yeah. and then go have sex, too. right? Because that's what they were taught is yeah. you put the condom on, a on the vegetable yeah. and then you go have sex because it's literal. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be careful about what we say oh, and for what sure. they hear. And I think it's really too bad that so many places aren't allowed to demo this because it's a skill. And not only do kids need to see it done, but they need to practice with their hands and they need to be able to like, I also teach cooking, right? That's another one of the topics that I teach. And I would never, I would never give a kid a knife and hope that they could chop if I hadn't done a demo and let them practice. And, and it's a skill and condoms are the same way. And if we want kids to know how to use them, we need to be 
directly teaching them this skill. And it it sort of kills me inside that we can't. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just allowed to say, hey, there are instructions in, in the boxes, like make sure you read the instructions properly. But even those instructions are confusing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. They sure are. I mean, especially if you're if you're new to everything and don't know. I mean, like if you've never taken a class and you don't even know anatomy and, um, you know, those those directions could be practically in another language as far as you're concerned. Like, what is this? What are I don't understand all of this. So it's just too bad. Um, do you have a least favorite lesson to teach? Uh so I was really excited to teach uh, my students like how to prepare for entering the working world, um, career planning and development, that sort of stuff. Um, I want to do it with my more senior students because they're on the way out and I want them to leave knowing how to like write a resume or a CV, what to expect in a job interview, those kind of things. And it just has not with any of the classes been well received. I don't know why. Like, it's, it's not fun for them. And because it's not fun for them, it's not fun for me. So that excitement I came in with just kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get yeah. that. I get, that's another topic that I teach in a, in a different class. And a lot of, I have a class called life management and it's, um, it's basically adulting 101, you know, and even though it's super important stuff that they all need to know, it is, it is like the hardest class to, it's like pulling teeth every lesson because the kids are just like, Oh, uh, what do I need to know about taxes? And why do I need to know about, you know, just, and I'm like, but cause you're going to go out and get jobs and you're going to have to pay taxes and you're going to have to, but they just, I don't know anything outside of high school. It seems like is hard to, to get them really they can't, interested they can't in picture life out of school. It, it's going to yeah. like, they just have to get thrown into it and then they adjust. So yeah. now it's just like, this is their world and they can't see past it. Yeah. We actually do mock interviews and we bring in like community members and, and staff and we make the kids fill out an application and then they have to have a resume to go to their interview. And then we have people actually like sit down with them and, and interview them for 10 or 15 minutes. And our, our interviews all have a rubric that they're kind of grading on like appearance and how well they're, you know, and that kind of stuff. And that that gives a little bit of buy in. <laughs> a little I... bit of buy in. <laughs> I plan to do something similar, but COVID happened. So yes, well, yeah. And now that we now now everything now when we do interviews, they're all like, "Can you record yourself doing and pretend you're doing an interview and just record it on a Google and just send them?" And it's bad. Oh, that's it's so, so different because <laughs> we can't bring we can't bring the community yeah. members in anymore. You know, yeah. and so it's <laughs> it's definitely changed um, <laughs> the way we do things. So. Um, do you have any like advice or any recommendations for anybody else who might be interested in coming into the field of reproductive health and sexuality education? Uh, I think you have to do a lot of self-examination, uh, know what you're comfortable and not comfortable with, and figure out why you're not comfortable with that. Examine, examine that and explore that within yourself first. Um, you might want to do something and realize, hey, it's just not for you. Or you might realize, hey, okay, I, I can really be good at this. I didn't think that I was going to be good at this. I didn't think that I would enjoy it, especially after my experience in Japan teaching English. I did not think teaching was for me. Um, so I would say go to school, get your training, uh, do all the work 
um, that is required to be a sexuality educator, if this is what you want to do, and then go out there and do it. Awesome. Um, any Anything else that you want to share with us that we didn't talk about that you're just dying to get off your chest? Um, so your textbook um, actually helped me narrow down what I want to do for my PhD. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so what are you going to so, do? Um, just let me give the little story about it. Um, I was teaching my senior students about um, sexting. Um, and we have no research in that area at all for the Caribbean, for St. Lucia, nothing. So I was um, taking, you guys have some stats on um, that topic for the U.S. Um, and that's the only stats I had. So I took the same page, gave it to the students as, as notes. And a student was like, but what about St. Lucia? And I'm like, I looked, I couldn't find anything. It's like, Miss, you should do that. That's one of my, one of my students told me. You should do that. We need our own. You should do that. And I've been thinking about it for a while. So I narrowed down that I want to do research on um, adolescent sexuality, um, attitudes, behaviors, um, because the last like really in-depth study that was done on the region was done, and I think I was a participant in that study when I was in school. The data was collected in 1997, and it had been published over a 10-year period since 1999, I think. So, yeah, 1999 to 2009. So we haven't had anything recent. Um, yeah, so I want to be the one to do that. I want to be the person that when you think you sexuality in the Caribbean, my name comes up. Oh, well, it already wonderful. does for me, Thea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for us, that's for sure. Um, just just out of curiosity, because I don't know that much about the Caribbean, but like, what's the population in Saint Lucia? Uh, One hundred and eighty thousand. Um, each island is is different. We have Jamaica, Trinidad, that has millions, and then it slowly goes down from there. So we're Saint Lucia is at one hundred and eighty thousand. Very cool. All right. Well, that's all the questions that I had for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. I've never done a podcast before, so this is my first time. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, we're really excited you're out there fighting the fight and getting the information out there and just yeah. one kid at a time. And and of course, it's always exciting the more countries we have our textbook in, the, <laughs> the more we get to brag. There you you go. Know? <laughs> <laughs> I will spread the word as best I can. I think it's really interesting to hear that. I mean, one of the reasons we wanted to interview her was to see, are there differences between yeah. here and there? And the answer is yes and no, yeah. right? And so uh, mostly no. Yeah, we're kind still of met with the same restrictions. Yeah. Hers are even a little bit more intense, you know, and um, that's faith-based stuff, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think she does a really good job of still staying positive, enthusiastic. I would love to sit in on her class. Oh, me too. I think she'd be a lot of fun to, I, I think it'd be fun to co-teach with her and, and oh, for sure. plan some lessons and do some stuff with her. It'd be, um, she sounds like a, a teacher very similar to, to us in the way she does things. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate when there are topics that are off the li off limits, you know, that, I mean, think about that. You can't even give a resource, yeah. right? You know, you just have to say, Google it or... Yeah, good luck finding yeah, the information on that. Fingers crossed. <laughs> you know, and so if you can't, as an educator, if you can't 
talk about the topic, but then you really you can't even give a resource so that they can find the topic. Mm-hmm. Is that really education? It doesn't feel like it. Right. Yeah. Something to think about. It is for sure. And I, I was just as surprised as you to find out that the that there wasn't that much difference between the two. I really expected yeah. to see some some glaring differences. But me too. Um, yeah. Pretty interesting. So we all have the same battle. Yeah. Right. And and in in every way, from from yes. students online to other you know colleagues not necessarily respecting the topic to yeah oh yeah to all That's of it. it it's the same no matter where <laughs> oh, you go no, nothing new here yeah no. <laughs> I'm glad we had a chance to chat with her I'm glad she is using the textbook and I'm glad she's motivated to go on and get her doctorate me so it's too. all good. This podcast was created to promote Look Both Ways and the textbook written by Dr. Cairo. Look Both Ways is a nonprofit organization based in Loveland, Colorado, with a mission to educate our youth about their reproductive health to make informed decisions for their future. We do this by educating the educators through professional development, and we also put on free conferences for both teens and parents of teens. Textbooks used at schools are donated by Look Both Ways to eliminate the money obstacle for schools interested in piloting or adopting our curriculum and textbook. As a nonprofit, we are always fundraising and accepting donations. For more information about Look Both Ways, our fundraising efforts, getting a textbook donated to you, or to make a donation, please visit lookbothways.us. That's L-O-O-K-B-O-T-H-W-A-Y-S dot U-S. This podcast was produced by Peach Islander Productions in Fort Collins, Colorado. This is Dr. B. And Mandy Johnson wishing you well. Be sure and catch all of our episodes of It's Not Human Sexuality on Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. Do you think she was recording this time? <laughs> I think yes. she left the meeting. <laughs> Elvis has left the building. Again? Okay, great. Yeah, post game. Sounds good. I'm recording, believe it or not.